Hello and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod. I'm your host Brian Moylet, former Irish age grade international player, now mindset and performance coach. I help players and teams all over the world overcome setbacks, play in the zone and achieve higher levels. On this podcast, I chat with people at the top level about their journey so that you can get their insights and hear what worked for them. You probably agree that you need to be strong mentally as well as physically, but most players don't know how to work on their mindset. My new book, The Book on How You Become a Pro Rugby Player, is like a gym program, but for your mental strength. In it, you'll learn how to instantly move on when you make mistakes in games, how to feel excited and confident on the field, and how to play in the zone. And it's available now on Amazon. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening, and be sure to send it on to some friends. Cheers. Hey, hope you're keeping well. Today, I'm going to chat about a mindset tool that will help you perform at your peak consistently, help you be at your very best, be it if you're a player or a coach, or you can apply this to any walk of life. And I'm going to draw on a few different ideologies, thoughts, and I'm sure that I will go around about and around different ways. And you might be thinking at times, like, where is he going with this? But I promise you, I will tie it all back together. And I will really simplify it so that you can adopt this mindset, like have this understanding, adopt it to help you wherever you are. And so a couple of years ago, about 2019, my aunt gave me a book called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Sharma. Robin Sharma is brilliant. I've since read his book, The 5am Club. But at this time, anyway, I was reading The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari and one of the key themes of it is that you have to follow your purpose in life that it's very important for your essentially happiness and fulfillment that you're doing something that's true to you. And if you're a player or a coach, I could say with 99.999% certainty or, you know, most likely that's true. I suppose some coaches might fall into it and then have to do, feel they have to do it. But I know for the vast, vast majority of players or coaches, they do because they love it. So that won't be an issue for you, but I've been there before and I'm sure every single person has been there before where you're working a job that you you don't like, that you just kind of hate and it's such a drag. And so if you've listened to this podcast before, you will understand that my approach to mindset and performance and being the best version of you is that first of all, You have to be excited, enthusiastic about what you're doing. Like you have to then be having fun. You have to be enjoying it. And if you're not, the first step is you have to look at what's getting in the way of you not being excited, enthusiastic about your playing, about your coaching, about what you're doing. Because you know that If you're in a stressed 
worried state, you can't express yourself. You can't go out there once again as a player on a field. You can't go out and express yourself if you're worried, you're stressed, you're anxious. And the exact same is true as a coach. If you're in that state, you can't be the best version of you. And so first step is, yeah, getting your energy, being in the good, the right state. And so I read this book, The Monk Who Sold Ferrari, and then it was at this time I was reading and studying anything I could get my hands on or whatever different paths it would take me down to see what made people happy, fulfilled, and after that, what helped people perform at their best, perform at their peak. Because it was around this time, 2019, I was, as I mentioned in the podcast before, a couple of years before that, probably around 2017, I went into a dark place, got depressed, and it was 2019 I was coming out of that and I was uh, I was de- I was out of that for sure and I was um just looking into everything I could I was fascinated by the mind and after reading the monk who sold his ferrari it was it's a nice story and it has kind of buddhism throughout it or buddhist teachings and so I started thinking a bit more about buddhism because my perception up until then of Buddhists was that they were these peaceful people, that they were very content and peaceful. You think of Buddhist monks in a monastery or just Buddhists in general. That's kind of how I thought of them. So I was kind of like, how are they like that? And I was curious. So I started reading into it. And it was at this time that I started seeing more and more about the benefits of meditation. And they are big meditators. And then I came across a thing called Maranasati Meditation. And what it is, it's a practice that Buddhists do. And it's a practice of being mindful that you're going to die. Bringing awareness to the fact that you're going to die. And understanding that it could happen at any moment. And now when I read this first, I was kind of like, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Why would they think that? Why would they want to be thinking about death? And I was at a point where I was like, I just, I don't want to be thinking about these dark things. And that's how I perceived it back then. And no, not for me. But around that time as well, I was looking into stoicism the ancient Greek philosophy. And in Stoicism, they have a thing called Memento Mori. And what Memento Mori is, Seneca and Epictetus talked about this, is a symbol to remind yourself that you would die, that you will die. So they encourage people to have a physical symbol in your house to remind yourself often that you're going to die. And so I started to think about this more and more and I started reading into it more and more and I 
started to understand that actually when you're aware of your mortality, you're aware that you're going to die and that you actually don't have control over it. You think you do, but to an extent you don't because you could be driving a car and a drunk driver could just sway across the road and smack you straight on and you die, unfortunately. Or you could be walking down a street and a crazy person starts shooting and you get shot. Or you could be somewhere and a natural disaster happens. You could be on a beach and a tsunami comes in. You could be somewhere and an earthquake happens. The earth opens up. And so there's also then you hear of people dropping dead or just for no apparent reason or not too well understood people having a heart attack or whatever, whatever. So you actually don't know when you're going to die and it could actually happen at any time. And so I started reading about this more and more and I started to understand that what they were saying is that when you're aware of your death, that you begin to be so grateful for living that the more you remind yourself that this life is so short in the scheme of things it is and that, you know, life is beautiful, life is incredible. It's something to be enjoyed and it's something to be so grateful for. And that these practices they did to help them come at life from a place of gratitude and when you're then grateful for every moment, for every day that you get, like when you wake up and you're like, wow, I get another day. You enjoy everything you're doing more. Whereas if you're constantly stressed about things, like like nothing actually matters. Nothing matters. If you were told that you have a week to live, nothing that you worry about now would matter. I've heard a funny little anecdote, but I've heard before about um, people in therapy and people who are stressed and don't wrong, therapy is good. I'm not saying it's bad, but people who have who are not in a good place mentally and they get told that they have a terminal illness or that, you know, that they're not going to live too long. And all of a sudden they leave therapy and they're fine and they're like, oh, it's all grand. You know, so when you confront death and when you're aware of death, you start to realize that everything's kind of okay. And don't get me wrong, I practice this myself regularly for my own day to day, my own peace of mind. And I still get stressed. Don't get me wrong. I still there's times when, you know, I'll be busy and something will come up and something won't go right and the usual stuff and I kind of get a bit antsy or whatever but I'm able to now you know breathe and center myself and calm myself and just be like here it's all good and so how this translates to your playing or your coaching is that I believe now that you should approach your career as a player or a coach 
from a point of it could end at any moment, which of course is true. And that every day is a bonus. And truly, truly, truly adopt this. Like, feel it in your body, accept it, like, believe it. That every day you get to wake up and be a player, or every day you get to wake up and be a coach, is such a bonus that it's not guaranteed. And that you've no right to it, essentially. You've no right to be a player. Like, you know, there's people who are born with different handicaps or limitations that don't allow them to play rugby. They would love to play rugby, but they physically cannot for through no fault of their own. And so you having the opportunity to play rugby is is a blessing and that you every day should be aware of that. And once again, you hear of, I heard of an NFL player oh, a couple of years ago, and I won't be able to recall it, but he was in a car crash and he lost his leg. You know, and then that player's career is over. And, you know, you Matt Hampson, uh, the English guy who's incredible, who raises who does great work through his foundation raising money for people who get injured in rugby and he was just scrummaging one day scrum collapsed broke his neck in a wheelchair and yeah you you truly never know when you're when you play your last game it happened to me as well one day I was playing then the next day or you know I got a concussion then had to stop and uh so when you approach every day as a bonus it gives you a freedom. It gives you an energy and an excitement. And also, along the kind of same lines, when you accept that you can die at any moment, so that's life. But then when you apply that to your sport and your sporting career, so say if you're a player, you accept that you may have to retire at any moment or if you're a coach and you accept that you may have to retire at every moment and nothing is guaranteed and nothing is granted then it will take away a lot of the worry take away a lot of the stress i see it quite a bit now players and coaches around this time of year january in the professional game they're stressed and they're worried about contracts and yes, you can say, oh, well, that's their livelihood, Brian. Oh, well, of course, they're going to be stressed. People would say that. But if you approach this journey that you're on, be it playing or coaching, in that you are not, you have no right to have a 20-year playing career. You have no right to coach professionally for your whole life until you're 65 and you retire. You've no right to that. And that when you approach it, that every day is a bonus and that every contract's a bonus, then you stop worrying. And when you, when you stop worrying, then it gives you the freedom to play and to express yourself. And I see this 
quite a bit in sport and Israel Adesanya uh, before his la- or during his last fight I saw it in between rounds or at the start of a round I think it was the start of the last round and he actually lost his fight but he was saying to himself you can't beat me I'm willing to die you can't beat me I'm willing to die and when you're in the battle in the arena and you're literally willing to die you can go to a place that you can't go to when you're afraid of dying. And this might seem, once again, a bit much. But I learned of this in a sporting sense, or competing in a competing sense, when I was chatting to David Galbraith on this podcast, who I really admire. And it was oh a year ago, somewhere in the 20s, probably the episode. Brilliant episode. He's so insightful. But he said that, when he's working with the Japanese rugby team, he's their current mental skills coach. He said that they prepare for matches the same way the samurais prepared for battle. And the samurais were prepared to die. And so when you're prepared to die, yeah, you'll you'll give anything. You'll give everything. And I, after chatting to him, I, I really started taking this on and adopting it. And I started to, on a wider sense, understand that every game I got was truly a blessing. It was truly just a gift that was to be enjoyed. And then when I was going out onto the field, being prepared to die. And of course, you don't want to die. Don't get me wrong. But... Yeah, you stop holding yourself back, you stop worrying and it um it helps you play at a level that yeah, you wouldn't be playing at otherwise. Or you wouldn't be able to play at otherwise. There's a lot of fear as well when you're playing rugby. And I heard Mike Tyson talk about this fear as well. You know, before a game, it's a battle. So like it's understandable to have different fears but when you adopt the mindset that you're prepared to die out there you stop having those fears and you go into quite a peaceful place you go into yeah really peaceful place and it allows you to go completely into the moment it's sorry it helps you to go completely into the moment that you're in and to just give everything that you've got in that moment to compete, to fight figuratively within the laws of the game. But yeah, to just give it everything that you have. And somewhat similar to this, I saw a quote a while back from an American military leader, a guy called Douglas MacArthur, who served and fought in World War I and World War II. And he said... Only those are fit to live who are not afraid to die. And it's, you know, the exact same idea that the Buddhists had, that the Stoics had. And for just life in general, I truly think that life becomes so much better when you accept that 
look, you, you know you're going to die and you accept that it could happen at any moment. It could happen any day. Like, I just, as I said, over the last few years, just understand, have been understanding this more and more and just seeing different things and truly beginning to accept it, that every day is just such a bonus in life. And it is. I saw another good, good one recently is because a lot of people get tied up about money and don't get me wrong, you need money to keep a roof over your head, you need money to buy food, you you need it to a certain extent, don't get me wrong, but you know, we all know that society today is um, kind of a bit infatuated with it. And I saw a good one recently which said, would you prefer to have to get $10 million but you die tomorrow or get no dollars but you live and then everyone's obviously like yeah I'd prefer to live than get 10 million dollars and die so like your life is worth more than 10 million dollars and obviously you can pick any number here your life is worth more than any amount of money and so yeah just having that understanding and truly truly accepting it and reminding yourself regularly that this is all bonus you know every day that you wake up is bonus it really is and it's something that i yeah as i said i do every day i wake up i put a smile on my like i'm i'm happy and i'm grateful to have woken up and I apply this to my coaching and you can and should, I really think you should apply this to your playing or your coaching as well. Just every day is a bonus. It's not, it's not getting worried about what could happen in the future and stop thinking that you're going to have this long career, like the very best, uh, the very best case scenario Stop thinking that way because you've no right to have that. You don't like you hear it from players a lot. You know, the likes of Brian O'Driscoll got to finish at 35 odd in the Aviva Stadium with everyone cheering him and he was a legend and he got the best send off and he it all went perfectly for him to set off into the sunset. But you hear of players all the time then saying like, oh, I didn't think it would end this way. And, you know, you you. You don't realize it and like so many players then it doesn't end like that but i think a lot of people you're you're expecting that or you're hoping for that and instead flip that mindset flip that thinking to just being buzzing to get to do it every day to get to train like every day that you get to go to the gym to get stronger to get better is unreal. Every day that you get to go out and train while feeling good and strong is unreal. Every time you get to play a rugby match is unreal. So flip your focus from looking at 10 years down the line and hoping that the next 10 years go really well and that you have this career that you've built out in your head and just focus or bring your attention back to how grateful you are to getting to do it today and it's the same as a coach 
It's the same with being a coach. You have to be grateful that you get to do that. You get to do today, or you get to do tomorrow. And another part of that, I think, the being willing to die. So, like Adesanya said it, like the American military leader said it, like David Galbraith does it with the Japanese team, and as a coach, you can adopt that as well. So. If you're, and this is a bit more soccer-ish than rugby, but I think it still holds true, is that if you as a coach are constantly afraid of being sacked, or if you're, not even constantly, but if you have any fear or worries about your job ending, then you can't express yourself as a coach. You can't be true to who you are. You can't be the best version of you because you'll be living with fear and worry. And you'll then start to think about how do they want me to coach? Oh, and you start being maybe more risk adverse. You start playing not to lose. And you start changing your philosophies and you start changing, you stop being true to yourself. And you start working and coaching in a way that is just not true to you. And you're thinking about, yeah, how to avoid disaster because you have this fear and worry and stress about it ending. So, once again, I'm not afraid to die, like Adesanya said. And then, yeah, as a coach, if you're not afraid of the sack, if you're not afraid of it ending, you can be 100% true to yourself. And that's when you'll be your best self. You know that as a player or as a coach when you're not afraid of it ending and you just truly be you you truly go into the moment give it everything that you've got and express yourself fully that's when you'll be your best that's when you'll perform at your best and so i know i've gone around in a load of circles but for life in general and for your rugby, be it if you're a player or a coach, be grateful for every single day that you get to wake up and do this. Truly be grateful. Practice this. Don't just say, okay, yeah, whatever, and go back to being stressed about all that stuff. That doesn't even matter. Truly practice that gratitude. Feel it. Think about it. Think about how much you love doing it. And if you don't love doing it, then don't do it. Find something you do love. And then along with being truly grateful every day, stop fearing the end. Stop, like in life, don't fear death. Just understand that it's something that could happen to you and anyone else at any moment. And when you stop fearing that, you start to truly appreciate everything that you get in life. And I see that now myself, Um, you know, and once again, I'm always a work in progress. I'm always these things I talk about. I'm practicing myself and I'm certainly not perfect and I'm always learning all the time. But it's it's something that like, you know, like simple things like, I don't know, getting to see my family or just being able to have a chat with 
my friends or, you know, just getting to hang out with people. I'm just truly grateful for and, and experience it. And same with coaching, same with, you know, me doing this or me sitting here chatting to you. Like, I'm truly grateful to get to do it. And I enjoy every moment. And same when I'm coaching players one-on-one, helping them. Or if I'm speaking to teams, working with teams, or if I'm on the grass coaching, whatever it is, I I truly enjoy it and appreciate every moment. And then, yeah, in your life in as a whole in general I think that is it's something very important to understand and to accept it gives it gives you a new energy in life when you accept that it could end at any moment and don't get me wrong as well I plan for the future I do um and if that seems like a contradiction you can chat to me and I can explain it on a different episode but Along with this, what I'm saying here is it's important to have a very big goal, like a massive, ambitious goal that 99.9% of people would tell you you can't achieve and you're crazy to be thinking that way. You need to have that level of goal and dream, okay? And then what I mentioned about purpose at the start of the podcast and what the Buddhists call Dharma is that when you have a huge goal that's so true to you that you just want for you and not for what society says is good or not what Like, I'm not talking about, oh, I want to have a new Mercedes or BMW. Like, no. And not what you feel will make people think better of you or think differently of you. That's your ego. That's the ego. If you want something because you feel then people will look at you in a different way, see you in a different way, give you more respect, whatever, that's all the ego. You need to have a goal that you want to achieve for you. And when you have that, then you have a purpose to your day. Because you have that big overarching goal that seems it's so big that it actually scares you. And you wake up every day giving everything that you've got to take a step closer in pursuit of this goal. That gives you so much purpose and so much fulfillment. It's crazy. And a big problem, I think, for a lot of people, and I've been there, is that you don't have a big goal that is for you. You start working a job that you don't like doing and you just get into a rut. And then every day seems like a drag, like seems crap and you're living for Friday. And then you just go drinking on Friday because you want to get out of your head and escape that rut that you're in. But having that purpose that's true to you in your heart gives you an energy and gives you an excitement. And once again, I've kind of, 
I'm aware that if you're a player or a coach, the chances are that that this is true to you, that you do love this, that in your heart you love this. So you'll know what I mean. And then, yeah, every day you just give everything you've got in pursuit of that goal. And that just gives you so much fulfillment, so much happiness, so much contentment. And then as well with that, just accepting that every day is a bonus. Every day that you get to wake up and go hard, go ham after your goal, after your purpose is just such, such a blessing. And that's funny, a little uh, a side point. I, I talk about this in chapter one of my book. I set out right away from the start how you have to have a massive goal, like a massive one. And yesterday I was doing a one-on-one session with a player. And this was the first time, this was our first session. And this player was 16. And so when I work one-on-one with players, you know, we get to know each other and I want to know what their goal is. And I've talked about this before in the podcast, but often players will say, I want to achieve X. And then you say to them, okay, if you couldn't fail, or this is what I say to them, if you couldn't fail, what would your goal be? What would your dream be? What would you want to achieve? Oh, well, if I couldn't fail, then I'd want to achieve 10x. So their own mind, their own limiting beliefs are holding them back from truly going after what they truly want to achieve. And everyone who achieved anything great at one point was just a dreamer with a crazy big goal that most people would say is impossible. And so anyway, I was working with a player, chatting to them yesterday. And I said to him, we're chatting away and I say, what's your goal? Like, what do you want to achieve in the game? And he said, I want to play with the Lions. That's the biggest one. Yeah, I want to play with the Lions, like Ireland as well, but I want to be a Lion. And I was actually taken aback. I was like, oh, okay, brilliant. Wow. I I kind of, yeah, I was kind of stopped in my tracks. And he was, this guy, so impressive. He was 16 and playing, playing a good level of rugby or whatever and doing well. But I just loved his outlook, his mindset. And now he was in one of the talks that I did around the country here over the last couple of months. So he would have potentially heard me speak about this, about, you know, not holding yourself back and going for the biggest dream. So um, maybe he he had heard that and then and that helped him dream bigger. Or maybe he just he had this anyway. And uh, it's so interesting, though, like, so many people would say, oh, that's a bit ridiculous for a 16-year-old to want to think about playing with the Lions and to want to play with the Lions. You know, like you even hearing that now, you might think, oh, well, would you not Would you not just try and play for Ireland and then if the Lions come along, would you not just try and do this? And then if a lot of people think like that. But, you know, it's funny. I have just different perspectives from playing and coaching in my journey and on the last Lions tour there were five guys that I played with Tyg Byrne, Robbie Henshaw, Tyg Furlong 
Jack Conan, Ian Henderson. And <clears throat> played with and against them on a few teams. But like those five lads or anyone who becomes a Lion is, was once a 16-year-old who was playing at a decent level. And yeah, so why wouldn't you dream big? And then what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't come true. So what? You don't succeed. So what? Who cares? But you may as well go for it. You may as well go after these things. Because then, as I was saying, and this is what I do in my life as well, like, like I have massive, massive dreams. And I've found, I've only in the last two years, three years, started to understand this and overcome my own limiting beliefs, to be honest. Because when I was younger, I certainly did hold myself back. I talked in another podcast a while ago about how I dreamt of playing underage rugby for Ireland or dreamt of wearing an Irish jersey and wearing a Connacht jersey. And that was like what I was just fixated on. And then I achieved both of those. And I kind of didn't have any other goal. I kind of then just had a lot of limiting beliefs about if I could go further. And those limiting beliefs, I'm not going to stand here and say, oh, I could have done this, I could have done that. No, no, I did what I did. But I know, looking back, that I had a big dream. I had a big goal. Which, when you're 10 or 11, playing underage for Ireland or your province or whatever, is is pretty big-ish. You know, not, not, not everyone gets to do it, but a lot of people dream of it. And so, I have the experience of having a massive goal, it exciting you. It excited me for years. It made me work so hard and... Then I achieved it, and then what now? And this has come up quite a lot on the podcast as well. Johnny Cooper, who is one of the most decorated GA players of all time, won seven All-Ireland titles, I think seven, probably lost count, but he said that after every time he won an All-Ireland and went into the dressing room after and hung up his jersey, he thought about the next mountain to climb. He thought about what was the next mountain he had to climb. Ezen Asewa as well, when he spoke about it on the podcast here, that after he and his Leinster teammates would win a European Cup, that they'd be in the dressing room after himself, Johnny Sexton and the lads, and they'd smile and laugh to each other and say, let's go win another. So that they're thinking about the next mission, the next mountain to climb, and the next big dream. And yeah, it's just so, it's so, so important to have one. And I know that those two examples are a bit more like year to year. But I remember hearing as well, Tiger Woods was saying at the start of his career, when he was maybe winning his first major, second major, he said that he was chasing Jack, Jack Nicholas's record of 18. He wasn't looking year to year. But uh, anyway, I digress. But um, it's so important to have a massive goal massive dreams I certainly have them now myself and what I've found is that they give you an energy and excite you and they make you help you or make you perform at a way higher level because when you don't have big dreams and goals like massive ones you can kind of go through the motions day to day and you think that going through the motions is okay because in the moment it feels easy. It feels good in a sense. Like if you're just 
farting about, just half-assing things. It's easy. Like, it's easy to do that. And once again, in the moment, it feels kind of okay. It feels kind of comfortable. But after a while then, you start to not feel so great about yourself because you start to realize that you are being less than you can be. You start to realize that you've got more in you, that you could actually be doing way better. And that's a completely internal thing. That's not even, I'm not even talking about comparing society. I'm not talking about like you looking at other people and saying, oh, I wish I had their this, I wish I had that. No, no. You yourself, if you're going through the motions, you look in the mirror and you know that you've got more in you. You know that you're not giving life everything that you've got. And that starts to eat away at you. That starts to make you feel a little bit empty. And the more and more you do that, your self-image goes down, your self-worth goes down, your self-esteem, you start to see yourself as someone who's not that great. You start to see yourself as someone who's average. You see yourself as average. But you're not. I truly believe that everyone has greatness within them. I truly believe that everyone can do great things. And then, as I was saying, going through the motions can feel good moment to moment. But then at one point you take a step back or, you know, it kind of compounds. And the there's so much fulfillment got in giving everything you've got just going all out playing all out with life like giving life everything that you've got trying to be the best version of you just going for it and just pushing yourself to an extent that you're not sure if you can play at that level if you can keep going at that level but you just keep going and I know that people talk about balance and balance is important and I get that but when you're pursuing something that you love you don't really get tired you don't get as tired as someone who's doing something they hate so once again actually this same lad I was chatting to yesterday he kicks he was saying he kicks for hours and he said that some people have told him that oh he should do less or but he said I find it therapeutic and I love it so how could you tell a young lad who loves going out into the back garden kicking ball that he should do it less even though he finds it therapeutic and he loves it what should he go in and play playstation or should he go in and do something he doesn't like doing or you know what I mean um and yeah I just think that Sometimes people get a perception, like I've once again been in those jobs. I've been in a job where 15, 20 minutes in, I'm wrecked because I'm just like, oh, I can't do this. I have no energy. Do you know when you've probably been there too, where you're doing something you absolutely hate and after a, such a short period of time, you can't, you're frustrated. You're like, oh, I have no energy for this. Whereas I've been that kid when I was 16, 18, 20, where I could just, go to a field with a bag of balls and play for hours, kick for hours, run around. And yeah, don't get me wrong, you got to recover then. And But I see it now myself, you know, I can do things for hours. And once again, don't get me wrong, 
I, I understand when you kind of know when you know yourself when the body is um when you're getting tired and when you need rest you understand that but uh sorry a bit of a tangent a bit of a roundabout way but yeah what i'm just saying is that when you're pursuing something you love you've far far more energy than when you are doing something you hate and i believe that a lot of people who are doing things they hate talk so much about balance because they are hating what they're doing and they need breaks from it all the time because it's such a drain on them whereas the people who love what they're doing can do it for so much longer and then the people who are hating their thing look at them and they go you're doing too much of that you should be stopping you shouldn't be doing that anyway anyway so <laughs> i'm aware that uh I have gone around about in different circles and quite a bit unscripted. Well, all on all of it unscripted. I sat down here saying that I wanted to share about the practicing gratitude, being grateful for every day and being aware of your death and how that translates to being a rugby player and coach and how how much that helps you as a player or how much that helps you as a coach and anyway i hope you enjoyed it hope you got something from the ramble that i just did and once again i kind of mentioned this a bit but please let me know what you thought of this episode if you found it helpful if you learned anything from it and this is just i don't really do many solo episodes but this is something that i do myself these are just things that i do myself and i you know found help my rugby towards the end before i stopped playing and i find helps my coaching and so you know why not share it with you and uh so yeah if you found it helpful let me know and i'll i'll do a few more maybe like this along with obviously the chats those are the always going to be the the main part of this podcast but if you like something like this thrown in every now and again let me know or if this is something that you actually didn't like at all then please let me know as well because I really really do appreciate your feedback genuinely you don't realize but you know when I get a dm and it's a few lines of someone giving feedback on an episode that's unreal because it's funny as well you don't realize that I just do this and then put it out into a black hole and it just goes out there and yeah you see like listener numbers or downloads and whatever whatever I actually don't look at them anymore I try not to I do from time to time because there's no point what's the point but um the feedback from you is class because I'm like oh you thought that oh cool and I I get an understanding whereas uh otherwise as I said it's literally me having a chat with someone, me editing it, putting it all together and shooting it out, pressing click, pressing send and it just goes into a black hole. And if I don't hear back from anyone, it's like, did people like that? I don't know. Did they not like it? I don't know. And yeah, you see listens, but whatever. It's hard to still know that if people enjoyed it when they're listening. Anyway, lots of rambling today and uh, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're keeping well. And yeah, as always, if you have any questions you can let me know any feedback my 
Instagram is at Offfield Rugby. My Twitter is the same. My TikTok is the same. My LinkedIn is my name, Brian Moylet. And you can also contact me through my website, which is offfieldrugby.com. If you would like to have a chat one-on-one, contact me through my website, Offfield Rugby. And also, I've been working with teams around Ireland. That's where I am based. I'm moving to New Zealand next week. Really looking forward to that. But... I also work with teams over Zoom in different parts of the world. So if you are anywhere in the world and you would like to help your team, empower them, inspire them, help with different areas like dealing with nerves, have more self-belief, overcoming self-doubt, have more confidence on the field, um, all this whole big space of mindset and performance, um, get in touch I would love to help and myself if you're a coach myself and yourself we'll have a chat and we'll kind of find out where your team could use a bit of help and what areas and then yeah we can do a zoom meeting with everyone in your team or we can do a club-wide you can invite a few different teams so yeah get in touch through my website offfield rugby would love to hear from you also, um, before I go, I'm sitting in a little makeshift studio I've made in my bedroom. I have uh, the front room in my house at home in Balna County, Mayo. I have kind of taken that over as a bit of an office. But then I made a studio in my bedroom, um, kind of like soundproofed the walls a bit in the corner of my bedroom. So that's where I'm sitting now recording this. And just reminded me, I have to finish the audiobook for my new book so that's 95% done the audiobook for the book on how you become a pro rugby player and that will be out soon you can get the book on amazon worldwide if you're in ireland or the uk you can get it through my website and get a signed copy when i go to new zealand i will open that up to new zealand and probably australia too and because yeah i have to post that myself like sign it post myself so the um the cost of sending it to different parts of the world is just it goes a bit mad but um yeah hope you're keeping well and have a good one cheers <laughs>